So the Lord's Supper had just passed. The disciples had had dinner together, which would be their final time together as a group. Jesus had just shared about his broken body and his shed blood, and they had all partaken together, but didn't quite yet know the implications of what those words meant as he shared them. This was the fifth day of the last week of Jesus' life, and he knew it. This whole entire series actually started uh, from a meme, a meme that was shared with me, and then my hope is that we'll be able to get it up there so that you can see it, because it's it's important. So if we can, if it'll go through. Okay. Um, Yes. I'm not mic'd. Hopefully it'll pick me up enough, but this meme uh, that was found was shared with me says, and you can read it, uh, sometimes I joke about what I do if I have one day left to live. Eat junk, go crazy, etc. Today it hit me. Jesus knew, and he washed feet. He washed feet. He did the thing that was reserved for the lowliest servant. The thing that the disciples it didn't even occur to them as they sat there with each other's muddy, stinky feet in one another's faces. He did. The equivalent of cleaning a toilet at Wrigley Field. I know, I know. But that's what he did. That's what he did with the last time that he had here. Now, there was a lot going on. He was a busy guy, and I wanted to, I wanted to share what else was actually happening this very day, too. So, what else do we see here that was taking place on that Thursday? Now, we remember from last week that he was coming off of a restful day with his best friends, recharging and preparing for all this to come. But we see that what? Peter and John were sent to make preparations for the Passover meal. So not everyone was there and around. After sunset, we see that he eats the meal with the twelve, which we're looking at, and he washes the feet of the disciples. And we know that Judas departs to go do his shady Judas business. We see the Lord's Supper instituted, which we all just took part in. Later that night, we know that Jesus would go to the Garden of Gethsemane and suffer to the point that he cried blood. Imagine being that upset. He's then betrayed by one of his closest confidants and arrested by the religious leaders. He goes to the house of the high priest of the Sanhedrin where they convene basically a corrupt night court. And one of his best friends betrays him. And yet, in spite of knowing that all of that would happen, that all of that was going on, he makes time to wash dirty, stinky, nasty feet. Because it mattered. It mattered. We learn some things about this last week of Jesus' life. The next thing that we look at tonight we see occurs around the Last Supper. While it was the busiest day of Jesus' week, because folks, it's all downhill from here for him, he still made it a priority to serve other people. After Jesus had had that day of downtime with his friends, he began moving intentionally toward the cross. And we find that on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. 
but he also washed feet too. So what do we learn? What does Jesus want us to learn from the washing of dirty, smelly, nasty, stinky disciple feet? As we look at the text, we see that there's actually three things that we learn and we can take away from this. The things that I believe that he wants us to see in this. And as I studied this and I outlined it and I looked at the various places where various theologians and scholars had studied this passage and looked at it, it seemed like each and every one, and myself included, all came to these conclusions of what Jesus is communicating here to those disciples then and us now. So as we look at these first verses, the first five, and we ask this question of what Jesus wants us to learn from foot washing, or from this foot washing in particular, we see that Jesus wants us to learn that theology is best when it's put into practice. Theology doesn't really do a whole lot of people any good if all it does is stay inside your head. But it's when we take that that truth of God, theology, the study of theos, God, and we take and we put legs on that, and we take and we, we put action to that, then it matters. It truly, truly matters. It makes a difference in the lives of those around us. And Jesus wanted the disciples to see that. All the best Bible education in the world does not matter if you don't do anything with it. Jesus wanted them to see it. He wanted to model what it means to put theology into practice, what it it means to first show love. This is is some of the most powerful scripture I've ever read this week. I've read it, again, lots of other times, but it's amazing how when you go to God's word and you've read something time and time again and you see it this time and you go, man, well, I want you guys to look at this with me because it's amazing. So as we look at, at chapter 13, beginning in those first couple of verses, and we get this background, we know Feast of the Passover, Communion, Last Supper, it's all happening right before the crucifixion. So it says here in verse 1, Now, before the Feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world. Get that. Jesus knew. It was, it's been alluded to up to this point, but now John states it as clear as anything. He says, Jesus knows this is the end. He knows. It says he knew that it, the time had come to depart out of the world. And look at this. Look at what we see about the one who died for us. Having loved his own who were in the world. And we go, yeah, I know Jesus loves me. There's lots of kids. Lots of kids' songs that talk about it, right? And some of those maybe are going through your head. And you're like, I know Jesus loves me. Okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. But look, look at this next. Look at this part next. It says that he loved them to the end. And we know if we read on further in John, when Jesus prays for the disciples, he prays for not only them, but he prays for you and me too. It's right there in the word. So not only did Jesus love them to the end, he loved us to the end. What does that mean to love someone to the end? In the, in the Greek In the original language, the idea of loving someone to the end means loving them to the limit. To the absolute end of everything. At this point, I went to YouTube and started listening to some Eagles because there's a song called Take to the Limit, and that's popped in my head, so I decided to listen to it, and then I went down the Eagles rabbit hole. But the the idea here, what he's trying to convey, what the text is trying to convey here, 
is that there is no limit. There is no bounds. Jesus' love goes beyond anything we can possibly imagine. And in this moment, a day before his death, he is loving them. And he's loving you and me with everything he's got. If you knew it was your last day on earth, you and I would probably have a hard time thinking about anyone but us, wouldn't we? And yet Jesus is loving them to the limit. And he loves them so much, he wants to model how you put that into practice, what the implications are for that. He models his love in this moment for them and to them. When Jesus washed the feet of the disciples on that night, he was washing your feet and mine too because he had us in mind. He wants to literally model what it means to practice love to the limits, to its fullest extent. And then he wants them to also see that he wants to model something else here. He wants to model what it means to be broken and poured out. Because what just happened? They just participated in communion, didn't they? He literally said, this is my body that's broken for you. Take this cup and drink. It's my blood that's been shed for you. And they were probably a bit, like I said, confused about that, right? I mean, that's, honest, keeping it real, that's kind of weird if you don't know the context for it, right? So what does Jesus do? He goes right from that to washing their feet, to giving them a picture of what it means to be broken for somebody to the point where there's absolutely no ego. There's absolutely no pretense. It's all for that other person at great cost to self. He shows them a picture in the foot washing of what it means to be broken and literally poured out Imagine what that was like for Jesus. He's pouring water into the bowl where he's about to take their feet in his hands and wash the nastiness of three years, not probably not entirely three years, but wash the nastiness off of their feet with his own hands and then dry them, broken and poured out. I mean, that is an illustration that you just, if you're a preacher, you just can't do better than that. But that's what he does. That's what he models. He models this love that goes to the fullest extent. He models this love that is broken and poured out. And he, he models what it means to be a servant. Do you remember when I referenced that it didn't occur to the rest of the disciples that maybe somebody should hop up and maybe wash everybody's stinky feet rather than just having them in their faces? It doesn't to any of them. They're all sitting there. They know how it works. They understand the hierarchy. They know what the house servant does. But not one of them thought, hey, here's an opportunity to bless and serve the most important people in my life. They probably looked around the house and thought, huh, I wonder why Jesus didn't get anybody to do this for us. And they didn't think any of them to get up and do it for one another or themselves. In fact, we see that they respond to Jesus doing it. He shows them that theology, theos, ology, that the study and the knowledge of God is best when practiced. And the love of God 
really truly makes a difference when we actually demonstrate it and and act it out. You might know a lot about the Bible. You might even read it every single day. You might be able to quote all of those scripture references and memory verses if you were in Awana. You might have a Timothy Award. I mean, you might have 10 years of Bible college or more. But none of it matters if you're not willing to grab a bowl and wash some feet. He shows that to them. He shows them his love. And get this, before we move on to the next part, he does it for Judas. He does it for Judas. Because you probably think, I could wash some feet. I could be persuaded, maybe, for people that I love and care about and are cool people and I get along with and we're friends and whatnot. Could you wash the feet of somebody that you know is going to sell you out and have you killed? He did. And he knows it every step of the way. John points this out time and again. He talks about the one who is Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him. This is all undoubtedly going through Jesus' mind. And Jesus shows him love anyway. We see in 4 that he rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, took the towel, tied it around his waist, and poured the water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wash them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Judas. Judas. Because theology only really matters when it's put into practice. What else do we see in the text? Because there's some more important stuff here even. We see the theology is best when we put it into practice and we do something with it. We also see, we, we learn the importance of a good washing. Now here's where Peter enters the picture. So Jesus is thinking about Judas and, and he's the, the fact that he's going to be washing his feet and that he loves him and he loves them all to the limit. All of them. And then as Jesus goes around and he's washing feet, he comes to Simon Peter, who says to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Because here we are. This is where the rubber meets the road with these guys. They're going, wait a second, Jesus, that's not your job. Why are you doing that? Houses literally have people who do that. And that's not you. You don't do that. You're more important than that. And Jesus keeps right in on that, doesn't he, when Peter says that. He actually says to him, look, Pete, you don't get it right now, but eventually it's going to make sense. How many times have we gone through that in our lives with the Lord ourselves, right? Where something's happening, we don't really understand what's going on, we just have to trust that God knows, and that someday we're, it's going to make more sense than it does right now. And that's literally what Jesus tells Peter. He says, look, Pete, you don't get it, but that's okay because you're going to, but this needs to take place, this needs to happen. And then Peter, being Peter, because he's very strong-willed, first asks Jesus, are you really going to do this? He then says, you're not going to do it. Can you imagine telling Jesus he's not going to do something? <laughs> but Peter does, doesn't he? That's kind of Peter. That's kind of what he does. So he says, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus tells him, well, look, if I don't, then we don't have a connection. He says, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. And that's when the light comes on in Peter's brain. That's when Peter goes, oh, I see what's happening here. And then being Peter, he, he jumps from one end to the other, doesn't he? Because he likes to do that. So he goes from zero to a thousand. And it's like, uh, Jesus, are you really going to try to do this? No, Jesus, you're not going to try to do this. And then he's like, okay, Jesus, just 
wash me everywhere. Like, let's do it all. That's fine. If this is about my relationship with you, then it needs to happen. And that's what he says to him. He says, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head, as if to say, all of me, go ahead. If that's what it means to be with you, that's what I want. And Jesus says, well, you see, Peter, you really don't need an entire bath because you're already clean. And there's some important implications here. We understand the importance of a good washing from Jesus. First, in that first section, he tells, shows us the important of, importance of putting good theology into practice and living it out. And then he wants them to understand what this theology is, why, why we serve. Because we don't just serve to serve so that people go, oh, well, they're Christians, they're good people. We serve to show love, the love of Jesus, to the limit, to that extent. And he wants Peter to understand that there's the importance of cleansing. The first cleansing that he speaks of where he says, if I don't wash your feet, I have no share. You have no share with me. He's talking about salvation. That's when it registers with Peter. Hey, this is more than just getting the dirt cleaned off my feet. That's that connection. Because we all need to be cleansed. We all need the blood of Jesus Christ to have our sin washed away. And he tells Peter that that's what this is. That's what this symbolizes. That's what this means. That's why this needs to happen, and you all need to let me do this. Now, did it mean that they get saved that night? No, because we see later on in this passage there's some important words that point to that, that they were that many of them were already saved and born again. So, uh, at least by Old Testament standards. So what we see here is he's talking first about salvation, that one-time cleansing that is a union with Christ. That is the thing we all need. If you are here tonight and you have not been washed by a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are still dirty on the inside. But you don't have to be. You can have that relationship with Christ that cleans you in the soul, in the heart, in the center of your being, so that you can have that relationship with him. Your life can be changed. It can be different. It can be whole in him. But then he points to another kind of cleaning, which is important as well. For those that are clean, he says, I don't have to wash everything, but you do still need your feet washed. Did you notice that when he says that there in the text? He says, the one who has bathed does not need wash, does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. That is a cleansing that is our sin being confessed in our, our relationship with Christ being restored. So first it was about salvation. Now this is about sanctification. This is about when we get dirty from our sin on a daily basis, us going to the Lord and asking forgiveness for that. He's already cleaned us entirely on the inside, but in order to have fellowship with him, in order to be connected to the Lord, to truly have that fellowship, that, that, that friendship with the Lord, we do need to acknowledge our sin and confess it. Still saved, still clean. We all took the bath already. But sometimes we just need to wash up. And that's what he says here to Peter. We know that because he then says, and you are clean, looking at Peter and probably the rest of them with one exception, but not every one of you. He's still going to wash the feet of Judas, but he knows he's not clean. Not like it matters. John says, for he knew who was to betray him. That is why, he said. Because John didn't want us to miss that. I love it that John's like, hey, guys, don't miss this. I'm going to go ahead and write it again here. That's, how, that's why he said what he said. He knew Judas wasn't clean. Right now, we're living in a unique time in human history where there is a global pandemic. And this pandemic comes down to cleanliness. It comes down to a virus that can be 
killed and contained through cleanliness, through sterilizing, through those kinds of things. If you've been to the grocery store in the last week, you've probably seen the anarchy, the empty shelves. Some of us work there, right? Well, what's the cleaning section like at, at Walmart where you're at? Exactly. No, cleaning section? <laughs> now, I just got to say, the vegetarian vegan section, still fully stocked for Pastor Sam. I do love that. But the rest of it, no. I mean, it's there just isn't any. Because people are consumed by this, this, this need to be clean now on the outside. Because they're so concerned about their physical life. And yet Jesus here is talking about a clean that goes to the core. A clean that washes us entirely through and through. So that we don't have to fear death. Yeah, death is the enemy. Make no mistake about that. It came with sin in the garden. Death is not our friend. It's the enemy. But through Jesus Christ, we overcome it. We are clean from our sin on the inside. We have that relationship with him. People are obsessed with having clean bodies right now, but I wonder... Are we at least even a little bit concerned about having clean souls, too? We learn from Jesus in this passage the importance of a good washing, the necessity to be clean and pure on the inside. He shows us the importance of putting theology into practice, and then he tells them this theology that they are going to be living out. Because then, after Jesus is gone, it's on the disciples to then share this with other people. Because if he's not there to physically wash feet, who's going to? Well, let's look and see. Verse 12. We learn theology is best when put into practice. We learn the importance of good washing. And then we learn that we're called to follow his example. So who's going to wash those feet? Verse 12. When he washed their feet and put on his outer garments... And resumed his place. So he does all of this, finishes up, and then sits back down at the table like it's no big deal. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being there, what that's like? And what's going through the disciples' mind? They've, Jesus has just said to them, my body's broken for you. My blood is shed for you. I'm doing all of this for you. I know you don't exactly know what this means, but eventually you're going to figure it out. Now I'm going to do the lowliest job in culture. And I'm going to wash your dirty, smelly, stinky feet. But there's more to it than that, so get this, guys. And then he sits down like, oh. So what'd you get from that, guys? I, can you just picture it in your mind? He sits down and he, he resumes his place and he says to them, do you understand what I've done to you? Can you just imagine Jesus sitting there across from you going, did you get it? Did you see what I was trying to do there? He says, you call me teacher and Lord. And what I love about this part right here is that Jesus is always so humble, right? Throughout the Gospels, people try to call him rabbi and master and all those kinds of things, not fully understanding what that means. And there's so many times where Jesus just points it right to the Father, right? Or he change, not changes the subject, but he redirects it so that it's not a direct question of who he is and how powerful he is. 
And there are theological reasons for that. But it's, it's very interesting to me to note that he does that so often. And then right here, what does he do? When he's trying to teach them this lesson and drive this point home, he says, you call me teacher and Lord, you are right. For so I am. Why does he do it there? It's because he wants them to see how powerful it is that he of all people would stoop down, get his hands literally dirty by washing somebody else's nasty feet. Because if he's just the house servant, that's his job. But if he truly is, Kurios, Lord, the master of the universe, if you will, for him to do this, that's powerful. So he says, yeah, I'm him. You call me that. I am him. But look, look, look what just took place. Do you guys get it? He says, if I them, if I then am your Lord and teacher, like you say, and I've washed your feet, you also ought to wash others' feet. If I am who I am and I served you in the lowliest capacity, if I put my dignity, my status, who I am aside to put you first and serve you, who are you to not do that for other people? I love it when Jesus speaks plain English. Because there's so many times where you just read it and you go, what? And the disciples did that too. I think that's why that's there, so that we could kind of get a picture of what they were going through. And we just go, what? But Jesus is, he's, he's, he's just, it's real talk here, right? He says, I did all that. If I am who I am and I did it, who are you to say that you don't need to do it or you're too important for it? And then he says, for I have given you an example. And I'm hoping then at that point the disciples went, oh, that's it. That's what he meant. Because he says, do you guys get it? This is what I was doing. I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Not like I've done to you. Not, you know, kind of in the way that I did it. But just as I have done to you. And then he does a classic Jesus thing that I also love so much. He says, truly, truly. And in the language that means, you guys better listen up. If I'm repeating myself, it's important. Jesus does that at some very key points in the Gospels, and here he does it again, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. In verse 17, because here we are putting, if you will, literal feet to that theology. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's not just good enough to know God, to know who he is and what he's about. You've got to do something with it. You've got to wash feet. And you know, if you sit there and you go, man, that sounds disgusting. I don't even want to shake someone's hand right now, let alone wash their feet. I'm not saying necessarily literally, literally wash feet, because I don't think that's actually what he's literally saying here but he is definitely unmistakably talking about service. Serving others sacrificially, being willing to do whatever it takes, without sinning, to serve someone, to make them more important than yourself, 
and to show them what the love of Christ looks like in the flesh. And if you're going, I don't know, I don't know if I want to do that. That, that that's going to cost me. That stinks. He says to them this, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The other word, another word for blessed there in the original language is actually literally happy. Think about that. Jesus just said, if you're willing to lower yourself and serve someone else sacrificially, I promise you, in the end, it will make you happy. It might not always be fun. It might not always be pleasant. It might not always be pretty, because I'd be willing to bet that some of these feet were probably not that great to look at. But you'll be happy. So you might sit there and you might go, what's in it for me to serve like that? What's in it for me to take the hit? Well, Jesus seems to think happiness. He would know. Even though Jesus was only a couple of days from his own death, his death in the flesh, he still made it a priority to wash other people's feet, to serve them, to put them first, to love them to the limit, and to love you and me to the limit as well. He modeled for us what it means to live out being a servant to others. And I ask, if you're here and you claim to be washed by Jesus in salvation, do you follow his example as a servant? Do I like I should? I think this is an area like in sanctification where we can always grow and improve. Because we're innately, inherently selfish by default. But through Jesus Christ, that can be overcome. He's calling us to follow his example. Not something like it, not kind of like it, but to do as he did. He's calling us to follow his example with the time that we have left, like he did. Will you? Tonight, as we sing this final song, if the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you and calling you to make that commitment to be a servant, to look for opportunities during this crazy time of everything that's happening in the world, this is the best time to show people what it means to serve them. While they're terrified, afraid, scared, don't know what to do, everybody's lives and schedules are in chaos, nothing is as it seems, everything is upside down and backwards, now is the time to grab that towel, throw it around your waist, and look for feet to wash. Will you do it? Will you make that commitment tonight to the Lord and the Holy Spirit? Father God, thank you so much for modeling for us what it means to be a servant, to be poured out, to be broken, to sacrifice, to to love with everything you've got. Thank you for washing us clean in salvation and for calling us to live out the example that you've shown us. God, I pray that we would do it, that you would give us those opportunities to be a servant. Father, thank you for washing us and making us clean. I pray that we would constantly remember that we need to come back to you to have our feet washed 
too. And it's in your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is his name, our Lord and Master. Amen.